Today, we are very excited to welcome back our friend Naomi Wolf. Her book is The Bodies of Other, which I enjoy reading. We discussed it about a year ago with her here. And I can't believe it's been a year. So it's about damn, damn time we brought her back. Uh, Naomi's written several books, uh, some of which have been absolute um, iconic. And uh, she has been raising some alarms about some of the concerns, particularly about the mRNA vaccine on reproductive health in women. You can follow Naomi at, at Naomi R. Wolf, uh, and she has been attacked and banned on Twitter and uh, always has some very clear, provocative thoughts. And it's, again, it's about time. So let's get to it. Our laws as it pertain to substances are draconian and bizarre. The psychopaths start this way. He was an alcoholic because of social media and pornography, PTSD, love addiction, fentanyl and heroin. Ridiculous. I'm a, I'm a doctor for <laughs> sake. Where the hell do you think I learned that? I'm just saying. You go to treatment before you kill people. I am a clinician. I observe things about these chemicals. Let's just deal with what's real. We used to get these calls on Loveline all the time. Educate adolescents and to prevent and to treat. If you have trouble, you can't stop and you want to help stop it. I can help. I got a lot to say. I got a lot more to say. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. And speaking of more to say, you can find more of Naomi at drdrnaomiwolf.com. Uh, and also, as I said, follow her, Naomi mm, R. Wolf is where her Twitter handle is. Of course, she is uh, renowned for her feminist book, The Myth, The Beauty Myth, which became a leading, uh, really, uh, really one of the leading canon for the third wave feminist movement. Uh, she was a journalist. She remains a journalist, a Rhodes Scholar, and as I said, uh, an author of multiple books, most recently, The Bodies of Others. And it's been too long. So let's welcome in Naomi Wolf. There you Thank are. Thank you. Hi nice there. to be with you again. Hi. It's great to be with you again, too. And um, I, I want to start with um, a very sincere apology. I want to, as, as, as effusively as I can, fall on my sword. And I want to explain why and what and, and frame it. So sit back and enjoy this if you like this kind of thing. So, <laughs> so Naomi's book is a wonderful, the, the subtitle is The New Authoritarians, COVID-19 and the War Against Humanity. And it reads in real time. I, I, I read it last time you were in here. It reads in real time uh, sort of so much of the confusion and the, and the 
you know, the extraordinary experiences we all had, she uh, looks into it with the mind of a clear, the clear sightedness of a journalist as it was happening, as she was raising issues, as we were all wondering what was going on. She chronicles this in the first half of the book, and she gets into uh, concerns about female reproduction and the, and the issues that women were having from the vaccine, because the vaccine obviously figured prominently into some of her concerns. And um, I will just say... We now know that uh, we have a Pfizer, a very significant Pfizer executive on the record saying that they knew about these menstrual irregularities being a very serious concern. I have now seen uh, pathological specimens that show excess spike protein in the ovaries, in the adrenal gland. Uh, we, the, these, uh, the executive in the Project Veritas case pointed out that he thought maybe it had something to do with the hypothalamic pituitary axis, which is a very common sort of, it's a very delicate cycling system, a neuroendocrine system that women have that can get easily set off. But we now know some of the possible mechanisms, not just the ovaries, uh, but also there could be, we've seen excess spike protein now in the myelin and actually in the neuronal cell walls. So it could actually be direct neuronal effects. And we also know that spike protein is affecting plasminogen activator inhibitor by inhibiting that inhibitor and causing problems with bleeding and clotting. And we, of course, also know now that this spike protein is very much a part of what we call an endotheliitis or a lining of the artery problem that could easily be manifest in the uterine wall and the uterine lining. So there's at least five mechanisms I could think of that could be causing this that are of serious concern. And I am getting emotional when I, when I want to say this. When Naomi brought this up, I was the kindest thing I can say is I was dismissive. I was quietly dismissive of what she was bringing up because I had seen menstrual irregularities caused by everything in my career. And I thought, oh, it's just another thing. It's just another thing. I was wrong. I apologize. I got it. I, I don't know whether we're going to find out exactly what's going on, but I, I, was, I was as wrong as I could be. And the one thing that this pandemic has taught me well one of the many things i've learned a lot of things that i didn't want to know but the one thing that i did want to know is hubris and certainty is the enemy it, it, you can't be certain about a lot and don't don't discount anything until we know for sure what the data is so i thank you for bringing it up and i most sincerely apologize you don't have to accept my apology i want to fall on my sword if i had a samurai sword i'd fall on it right now and, and that is that so we can get on with cheering this. up <laughs> okay really, um, okay dr drew can i can i jump in there now and uh, and respond to um that please look I, I really appreciate what you just said i wasn't offended um i you know, I, I, it's been a long year and a half trying to bring these concerns, not just to you, but to, to everybody. And um, I, I'm not offended, but what I am is very appreciative that you're um, on a learning curve as we all have to be. And, and that's what a real scientist and a real healer and a real you know journalist is always supposed to be doing, which is learning. So yeah. I just yeah. really, what I'm seeing is that, you know, the world is really dividing or the world of, of doctor, I'm sorry, I have a puppy, the world of doctors and, um, and, and, and epidemiologists and virologists is really dividing into, especially male doctors and epidemiologists and virologists into those who um, really take on board how, how important women are, you know, and how delicate 
are all the systems that have to work together in order for women to menstruate, lactate, I'm sorry, um, you know, bear children. That, that, uh, is the, that is the evil dog that took down uh, Naomi's shoulders. You'll see us, she's in a sling right now. That dog is devilish. <laughs> the dog is loud. Would, maybe I should um, take a moment to go hold the dog because I am actually alone in the house with this podcast. And if I can- Sure, whatever you, whatever you have to do, whatever you have to do. And I can, I can talk to Susan for- I can talk to Susan for a second now. Did did I adequately uh, satisfy what you needed me to do? Because Susan w was uh, unhappy. Um, she, she, I I didn't think I offended Naomi back then, but I just didn't. Treat, well, I didn't think she what she was saying with the respect it, it deserved. She she responded to you uh, appropriately and said, <laughs> "You don't know anything about women. I'm a woman." Okay, I, so and I like that about I her. Don't know anything. That's not fair. And I loved her for that. <laughs> but I just teared up when you were giving that apology. And I think that um, Naomi's a friend of ours. So yeah. when you saw that she was taking some, you know, heat, S, heat on the on Twitter, you said, you know, we need to have her come back because I need to apologize. And I was like, for what? And then, then you reminded me and I went, oh, yeah, you do. So but I can't believe it's been almost a year and you were oh. so way ahead of the curve. Mm. Well, thank you. I mean, but you guys are so sweet and we are friends and hopefully friends always learn together. But really what's much more important is what's happening to millions of women. And I'd love to jump right in. And I mean, I thought that your Go. presentation, Go. your introduction was really important about what could be causing the bleeding and clotting and dysmenorrhea and agonizing cramps and, you know, horrible ruination of menses that, um, you know, I, I heard about a year and a half ago and, and was deplatformed by Twitter. Uh, we now know with the collusion of the CDC, Carol Crawford of the CDC and the White House singling out my accurate tweets saying that women are having menstrual dysregulation um, and, you know, a, a horrible ruination of my of my reputation, my career followed my accurately noting, you know, as I've noted, I think I may have said this to you the last time we spoke, you know, for 35 years. I've been writing about women's health and sexuality and reproductive health. And so this, you know, this is completely aligned with the journalism I've been doing forever and ever and ever. And so suddenly in this new world, it's, you know, an unaskable, it's an unaskable question of what's happening to these women. But to fast forward, um, and forgive me, I, as we were saying, I was describing, I broke my uh, shoulder. So that's why, um, <laughs> that's why I've got non-fashion statement going on here. That evil, um, evil dog, evil dog. <laughs> Puppy, the puppy, the treacherous puppy, adorable but treacherous. But um, fast forward uh, at Daily Clout, we have a project um, in which, uh, when I was on War Room, I put out the call for experts to help us read the fifty-five thousand documents a month that would be released under court order because of uh, lawyer Aaron's series successful lawsuit that were the Pfizer, Pfizer's own internal documents. And these are documents that the, C, that the FDA asked the court to keep hidden for 75 years. And luckily, this judge did not go along with that. And um, these documents have been released. And of course, they're too uh, technical for lay journalists and too vast for lay journalists to, to understand and read through. So to my amazement, um, at first 2,500 and now 3,500 experts ranging from biostatisticians to medical fraud investigators, you know, RNs, um, physicians of all backgrounds, uh, uh, clinicians, research scientists, lab, lab clinicians, um, 
you know, anesthesiologists, mm. biologists, et cetera, they've all united around the world to read through these documents and issue reports. And so we now have 54 completed reports. Um, our book, which we just issued as an ebook, the War Room Daily Club Pfizer Documents ebook, is in the top 10 Amazon Kindle ebook uh, bestsellers for the last few weeks. And um, I recommend that you all look at it. But where I'm going is in these 50 reports, Dr. Robert Chandler, who's a distinguished um, sport medical, uh, sports medicine physician who has treated the Angels and the Lakers, um, he has identified one other mechanism that I want to share with you about the menstrual dysregulation. Mm. Um, and okay. what that is, is he found that, well, in the Pfizer document, it shows uh, a chart that confirms a Japanese biodistribution study of the year before. And um, sorry, it's <laughs> it's hard to keep your hair uh, in one in one going in the right direction with, with you know one hand unavailable. One hand. But, um, yep. Um, but he showed that um, in the Pfizer documents, it shows that the, the lipid nanoparticles in particular leave the injection site immediately. And of course, all the spokespeople told us they stay in the injection site, you know, nothing traverses tra tra the body. But in fact, they, they move through the body within 48 hours, uh, like Dr. Chandler says, a shotgun blast. And they accumulate um, in the spleen, they cross the blood-brain barrier, uh, causing some brain inflammation. Um, this explains some of the personality changes or cognitive changes that some people have noticed um, in their loved ones who are vaccinated. But they also accumulate in the liver, the adrenals. Uh, I may have mentioned the spleen, the lymph nodes, and if you're a woman, in the ovaries. And what's very disturbing is that um, Dr. Chandler found that uh, the they there's not a mechanism for them leaving the ovaries. So the first time you get an injection, some of these industrial fats covered in polyethylene glycol accumulate in your ovaries. And these are like, these are designed to clot, right? That's what they do. They're liquid on um, super freezing temperatures and they become uh, viscous. They thicken at room temperature or at body temperature. And so with your second shot, more of them accumulate in your ovaries. And of course you need your fallopian tubes. You need your ovaries, you need all of that to not be gummed up with industrial fats. And so with every booster, more and more accumulating your ovaries. So that's one possible mechanism, um, in addition to what you found, no doubt, for the menstrual and, and other reproductive dysregulation that we've seen. And I guess to fast forward there too, one of his later reports shows that of the 43,000 adverse events, the Pfizer documents, uh, more than... 72% are in women. And of these, mm. Pfizer's own words are 16% um, are reproductive disorders. So mm. that those are Pfizer's own words. And then you've got this chart, and I, I really recommend that everyone look at it. It's on dailycloud.io in Dr. Chandler's latest report, but it's also in the ebook. And it's from Pfizer. And it shows like literally 25 different names for ruining women's menstrual cycle and thousands of cases. So it's like two periods a month, bleeding every day, all month, no bleeding at all, um, agonizing bleeding, hemorrhaging, passing clots. Um, and and so they knew. So when, when Project Veritas came out with this guy, uh, Dr. Uh, Walker, saying we really don't know what's going on, Pfizer knew perfectly well what was going on. They, they had their own exhaustive, you know, Mengele type documentation of 
horrible things they were doing to women's menstrual cycles. And I'll pause there, but I will just headline by saying that, you know, the menstrual dysregulation that Pfizer was like weirdly fixated on, right, for a vaccine for respiratory illness. Why are they so Mm -hmm. preoccupied with menstrual cycles? That's just part of what we have found now in all of these 50 reports, now 54 reports, um, to be a... 360 degree focus on human reproduction and disrupting human reproduction. Yeah, I think unfortunately that's where this is going to go. And uh, we're at the stage now where there's sort of general agreement that something significant is going on. There's multiple candidate mechanisms. And by the way, COVID could be a culprit in this as well, right? I mean, we don't know because they haven't asked the questions. They, they have to really, it, it's looking like, uh, based on Dr. Cole's work, who had all the pathology specimens, it really looks like the vaccine spike because they're not finding the nucleocapsid protein in with the spike protein in all these deposits and the ovaries and the adrenal glands, things like that. So it looks like something that is only delivering a spike, which is of course the vaccine. And so they, you know, some of it may be benign. Maybe that, maybe that liquid nanoparticle thing is a red herring. Maybe it doesn't really do anything, but it, it has to be ruled out. It has to be looked at carefully because something is up. And the fact that Pfizer was as concerned as, as they were is your smoking gun. So what, what comes next? What about the reproductive issues? Because of course that's where everyone's, that's the horror story in all this. That is the horror story. Well, Dr. Drew, I hate to do this, and, and Susan, I hate to do this, but it's it's not that Pfizer was worried about it. You know, all of the documentation indicate that that was Pfizer's goal, and I hate to put it that way, but there's no other conclusion to reach. I mean, Pfizer has so much focus on um, analyzing the disruption of reproduction, and when they find that something is ruining human reproduction, they don't let the FDA know there's a problem here, you've got to stop right away, they double down. Um, And I'll give you another example. Uh, The lipid nanoparticles, you know, Moderna's website boasts that they traverse every cell in the human body. And that's why I personally didn't get vaccinated because I have a neurological condition. And just, you know, with my English major, eighth grade biology knowledge of how the myelin sheath works, I couldn't figure out how, you know, something that traversed every cell in the human body is not is not going to disrupt electrical impulses. Um, but leaving that aside, these lipid nanoparticles have been known for 10 years to traverse every membrane in the human body. That's how they cross the blood-brain barrier. They were designed to take medicine to um, brain tumors. But of course, if you've got a brain tumor, you're pretty desperate and, and you know, a risk has a benefit. It's worth it. Right. The risk is worth it. This this is, by the way, throughout the pandemic, what I've been complaining about was the risk benefit diathesis has been ignored, whether it's from masking or schools or lockdowns or whatever. They just seem unable to do a risk reward analysis. And uh, I I was commenting just today, I was was realizing that it's been a year since the Super Bowl where everyone was mandated to wear a mask in an outdoor stadium. One year ago, with the level and activity of COVID really the same as it is right now. Think how insane that, how how hysterical we were, that for the same level of COVID as we're experiencing at the present moment, we were having LA County authorities handing down mandates because uh, we were in a panic and here we are. Yeah, it's, it's, 
it, it seems to me that, mm -hmm. well, certainly it is the case that the FDA was willing to accept a lot. What do you think was, uh, if we just, I, I don't want to assume we know the motivation unless they spell it out in any of those documents. Do, do they say we're trying to do X? Well, let me, it's more like the documents are like walking into a room where there are several bodies on the floor and they've been stabbed to death and they're bleeding um, and there's murder weapons lying around, but you don't, and, and you know, and, and, and a big um, object has someone's name on it that is the source of the murder weapon, but you don't know <laughs> why this all happened. So let me give you right, some right. examples. Um, okay. So the lipid nanoparticles traverse every membrane. That means they also traverse the placenta. So Pfizer knew that the lipid nanoparticles were traversing the placenta, and they knew that um, babies were being born uh, early because the placentas of women were um, uh, being uh, made not intact. Um, and in fact, Dr. Jim Thorpe, whom I'm sure you've had on or know about, a uh, maternal fetal medicine specialist, um, shows slides of a netting that you can see of calcifications around on vaccinated women's placentas caused by the lipid nanoparticles traversing the placenta. And, and, and in fact, the, the lipid nanoparticles go into the, the, the fetus, right? They go everywhere. So our own Amy Kelly, who's the project uh, director, found in the Pfizer documents that Pfizer knew that the lipid nanoparticles were um, entering the membranes of um, fetal baby boys' testes and not just degrading their testes in utero, right? And, you know, little boys, when they're vaccinated, this happens to them as well, but also degrading the Leydig cells and the Sertoli cells, which are kind of the factories of masculinity, so that these little boys and even baby boys aren't going to grow up to, you know, develop normally as adult men. And we don't even know what effect that's going to have on their ability to reproduce. But, but Pfizer kept going. Pfizer knew that... Um, you know, in, in this chart that shows all the menstrual dysregulation, there's so much spontaneous abortion and miscarriage. And in one section of the Pfizer documents, there were, you know, Pfizer told women not to get pregnant during the trials, which is interesting, right? It's a respiratory disease. What the heck? But uh, some of them got pregnant nonetheless, 270. Of those, Pfizer lost 234 of the records, which I gather is illegal. You're supposed to follow the subjects to the end of the trial. But of the 36 women whom they followed to term, over 80% of them lost their babies. The babies died. Right. And right. let me go on. Um, I mean, the, the, throughout the Pfizer documents, there's this really sick focus on reproduction. Um, and it, it's like, it's, it's almost like it's so focused that the goal of the injection has to do with reproduction, for example. Um, in one section of the Pfizer documents, they're um, injecting male Wistarhan rats, uh, and they don't inject the female Wistarhan rats. Then they mate them, and then they sacrifice the rats. And then they do an autopsy of the, the rat's reproductive organ tissue. You know, like, I, I don't know why, but, but why are they looking at that? Um, the, the, you know, Pfizer tells vaccinated men not to have intercourse with women of childbearing age. Uh, and if they do, to use two reliable forms of contraception. Pfizer defines exposure to the vaccine as uh, skin contact inhalation and sexual intercourse 
especially at conception. So Pfizer knows there's something that vaccinated men's sperm does to a, 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 a zygote or an embryo. Um, and they're warning, you know, vaccinated men not to have intercourse with women. They define exposure uh, as as having sex with a vaccinated man, basically. Um, Pfizer knew that the lipid nanoparticles and the polyethylene glycol, this petroleum byproduct, which coats the lipid nanoparticles, go, you know, it biodistributes. Well, it also biodistributes into breast milk if you're lactating. So Pfizer knew that four of the vaccinated women's um, breast milk turned blue-green and that babies who were nursing from vaccinated moms were showing uh, failure to thrive, agitation, sleeplessness, and convulsions in some cases. And one poor newborn baby in the Pfizer documents went into seizures from nursing from a vaccinated mother and died in the emergency room. Mm. So Pfizer knew all of this and they kept going. They knew that it, um, the injection suppresses the sperm count and sperm motility of men. Um, and, you know, again, just going to kind of the disabling level of, of, I mean, all of the metaphors, Susan will appreciate what I'm saying here, I think, all of the metaphors, all of the language we have about menstrual dysregulation in relation to this injection is, are inadequate, in my view, um, from having seen the Pfizer documents, because we've never been faced with anything like this. We've never been faced with a thing that happens to women that leads them to you know, at industrial scale of numbers, you know, like hemorrhage, you know, or, or past clots that they can't identify, right? Or, and, and so what I'm saying is the the numbers, and I just did a video on this, the tens of thousands of women in the Pfizer documents who, who are passing clots, hemorrhaging, you know, bleeding twice a month, menopausal women, so many way post-menopausal women bleeding, 80-year-old women bleeding, 70-year-old women bleeding, 10-year-old girls having, you know, menarche for the first time when they're getting injected, right? The, you know, di di women disabled from bleeding, right? We've never seen this before. So the CDC calls it, you know, a change in your period, you know, you might have, um, you know, menstrual symptoms is maybe the most that that they say, uh, and and yet what I'm seeing is women being really disabled at scale because how how can you be a student or an athlete or a mom of small children or a worker or stand for ten hours in a lab if you're a scientist or be a crossing guard or an agricultural worker or any of the things women do, you know if you're if you're bleeding in such a disabling way. And and that's right in the and, and and women are also describing agonizing cramps upon having intercourse with vaccinated husbands. Um, so all of these things I think are much bigger than than just oh you know your period lasts a day longer, which in itself is a huge change in women's lives and in their horm hormonal balance. There's there's a maybe a little bit of good news in in the wide age spectrum of this bleeding because it, it does sort of tilt the potential mechanism back into the bleeding, clotting, endotheliitis zone rather than the endocrine, which would be, I think, preferable. I mean, we already know that this spike and the virus causes a lot of this kind of stuff. Uh, and, and at least we wouldn't have to have another, a second, you know, mechanism at work here that that is only something that applies to women. I Again, fingers are crossed. I, I'm open to any and all okay. explanations still at this point. Sure, forgive me. In other me, words, you know, for... for why is it for, for a for a woman for for a post an eighty year old postmenopausal woman to bleed, 
uterine bleeding, there has to be either sort of a, a massive exposure to estrogen, which I don't know where that would have come from, or something wrong with the lining of the uterus, clotting or bleeding, you know, a, a, a clotting disorder. And that we know is one of the potential mechanisms. So I'm thinking, oh, maybe maybe that's some evidence that that's more the issue than the hormones, which would be good. And was not, not so much on the reproductive side, but in terms of, you know, how disabling, how problematic this all could end up being. But I, I want to stand back from the vaccine for just a second. And, and one of the things that um, has become crystal clear since we last talked to you is from the FOIA documents of some of the back and forth, um, well, two things from the FOIA documents of the back and forth with Dr. Fauci and his colleagues. One is that they were initially 70 to 80% convinced that this was a lab leak. Uh, and then their email chain goes silent for seven days and magically a article is produced in Nature Magazine about what the, where the natural source of the virus might have been. Uh, while the entire time on the email chain that the FOIA produced shows clearly the, the people, they were aware of the gain-of-function research. They said, it's got to be that. They were aware of this. They knew this virus. 70% probability it's a lab leak. And then silence, and then a Nature article denying all of it, which is hmm, interesting. So there was that bit of data that we now have since we last spoke. And then the other thing that I want you to help me make sense of, because I, I still feel like there must be some missing piece of this, which was that Fauci sent his minion over to China. The Chinese showed them their lockdown procedures, which were political procedures, not medical procedures that ever had been contemplated in human history. They were political in origin and intent. And our leaders came back and said, they've got it figured out. Tell Italy to do it, it what um, what China's doing, and we need to have a national policy exactly like Wuhan. That to me was the is the most. I was suspicious about it. I thought that's got to be what it was, and now we know that's what it was. That is a phenomenal, phenomenal observation. What, what, is that? Is it as is it as simple as they were hoodwinked and they were in a hysterical state and didn't use their right mind? Or was there something else that you figure might have been going on? Because you you have a way of uh, figuring out the Chinese piece that I don't often see. Um, thank you. Well, sadly, so I I don't you know fully understand whether the lab leak was an accident or an intentional release of a bioweapon. I think it's super notable that the Wuhan lab is run by the People's Liberation Army. You know, just like all sciences in China, and I think that. Scientists like Dr. Fauci, who talk about our Chinese colleagues and are very happy to outsource basically the exact same experiments on gain of function and bats, you know, from, and this was one time I got suspended initially from Twitter, um, from Dr. Ralph Barrick at the University of North Carolina to Wuhan um, after President Obama made gain of function experimentation illegal. Uh, they were being super naive in thinking, oh, these are just, you know, these are not our existential adversaries. I mean, all, all science is overseen by the CCP. But whether it was intentional or an accident to release that bioweapon, and you know, as a former political consultant, I'm a big fan of, you know, you can have like Rahm Emanuel's quote, I think he's quoting someone earlier, never let a good emergency go to waste. It, it's very possible right. that it could have been accidental and then made use of, right, politically. But right. 
whatever the origins, for sure, I am certain that this vaccine is a bioweapon. And I say that with great restraint and with very conservative reasoning. Um, And it's because I've seen the SEC filing for the BioNTech vaccine for 2021, our SEC, in which uh, the filing explains to the SEC that 100% completed is a tech transfer of the IP, of all the IP in the vaccine to China. Um, And it doesn't say a Chinese individual, a Chinese company, it says to China. So the IP is owned by China. Um, I know that Fosun Pharmaceutical, I may have brought this up earlier, but I'll just restate it because now that we've seen the project Veritas Exposé, it all should make horrifying sense to everyone. Um, Fosun Pharmaceutical is a major Chinese pharmaceutical company owned by the CCP, basically run by a CCP official. And uh, they partnered with BioNTech to make a billion doses of the vaccine. But China doesn't take this vaccine. So Fosun and BioNTech built um, manufacturing plants, 13 of them all over Western Europe, and two of them in the United States. And one is in uh, Springfield, Massachusetts, and one is in Princeton, New Jersey. So now when you get a Pfizer injection, you're getting an injection in which the IP, which could mean the the ingredients, the method of manufacturing, even the data generated by you know, the rollout, all of that is owned by China. And also the manufacturing and distribution are in the hands of China. And lastly, um, th- there are ways in which this injection can be made more and less lethal, uh, including something as simple as dose with Moderna with, at 100 micrograms um, being more than three times more lethal than Pfizer at 30 micrograms for an adult. And the 100 microgram dose was so lethal within the Pfizer documents that they withdrew it from the experiments due to its quote unquote reactogenicity. But they didn't tell any of the people who got the 100 microgram Moderna dose, you know, no more boosters. It's too dangerous. They just kept going. Um, and, and another important piece of evidence to me that this is a bioweapon is that you can manipulate its lethality on the basis of temperature. Um, as I mentioned, you know, it's liquid at super freezing temperatures and more solid as it warms. And the directions about storage have changed dramatically. So it used to be you have to store it, uh, you know, at sub zero temperatures. And now it's like, oh, you can leave it out for 12 hours. Um, and, and, and this is borne out by the fact that, you know, there's that site, how bad is my batch? Dot info, I believe, where you can see that batches are more and less lethal. And that's easily done with things like dosage, um, problems in manufacture, which have been thoroughly documented by whistleblowers like Brooke Jackson, and you know, and something as simple as temperature. Um, last two pieces of evidence I have that it's a bioweapon are the distribution of adverse events uh, in the 42,000 plus database of adverse events in the Pfizer documents. Um, 36,000 of them are in the United States. The next largest tranche of adverse events are in Western Europe, ranging from more to less politically important countries. So uh, Britain, Germany, France, then Italy, Spain, Greece, and all of the other 50 plus countries where the injection was rolled out combined in that database add add up to only um, 7,000 adverse events. So it's it's not a random distribution of adverse events. And 
I guess the last thing I would say, and then I really will pause because I know it's a lot to take in, is that um, look at who's being mandated, right? Uh, and I got a lot of this guidance from, um, you know, I've got to credit my husband who was in military intelligence for 12 years and then doing other intelligence work. And early on, he said, you know, we're being attacked by China. It's just that China engages in asymmetric warfare, meaning, you know, go after the water supply, go after our intellectuals, go after our media, go after our universities, go after our politicians. And that's exactly what they've done. Um, and, and go after our, our, our medical establishments and our, our, our pharmaceuticals. And that's exactly what they've done. So um, I guess the, the last piece of evidence is who got mandated, right? And again, as a political consultant, if you wanted to take out a country, who, whom would you mandate? Our soldiers, our special forces, our sailors, our firefighters, our, um, our first responders, our, our, our healthcare workers. Right. These are the people who are, and the children of the elite, the Ivy League universities are mandating and you know, state universities are not mandating as aggressively. And, and China is pouring money into universities like Penn, like Yale, like Cornell, um, Princeton to uh, and, and pharma is as well. And these are, you know, these are the, the universities that are saying like my alma mater, Yale, said to the students, they can't come back for spring term unless they get the booster, but they're not mandating the, the president or the administration. So, um, you know, if you were a country trying to take out the United States of America with this bioweapon, um, that's exactly, those are the populations you'd, you'd, you'd go for, you know, because we'd be, we're so easy to uh, subdue, you know, with, with these um, populations disabled or ill. Well, I mean, normally in my in my had I not <laughs> seen so many things that I was worried were true come true, uh, I would have a much harder pushback on what you just said. But now I'm like open to anything because I've seen so much stuff that I never thought was possible. Um, but I do want to I would do want to ask some questions about it. So so let's uh, do this. Take a little break. Uh, and and I want to ask this before I do. The the information that comes from your husband always intrigues me because he is somebody is in the middle of all this stuff. Is he still working with the intelligence? And if so, is our is our military and our intelligence community listening to him, thinking about these things, or is he getting it from within, inside? How, or can you make comment on any of that? Well, to my knowledge, he's not. But what do I know? <laughs> um, no, right. to my knowledge, he's not. But you know, okay. he has, he's, he's in private intelligence now, but you know, okay. he has, he has, he has friends and colleagues who are in that world, you know, really good people who are trying to serve their country. And they're very, very, very worried. Um, and it's not that from that community, this theory of the injection being a, a bioweapon derives, that's not the case. That's my conclusion based on the evidence I've seen, mm. but but absolutely from many people in that community and other commentators like General Spalding, uh, Michael Sanger, other really uh, respected um, commentators uh, from the military as well as from the intelligence community, um, the concern about China, you know, like uh, people, people who know geopolitics are absolutely terrified and appalled. Um, Frank Gaffney is another voice about this, about our are being subjugated by China, um, 
you know, in, in all of these different ways. And, and the thing, uh, Brian, my husband said to me, which has really stayed with me and really makes a lot of sense. Well, one of the things is that both China and Russia have a methodology of tenderizing the enemy, meaning to kind of exhaust a population, wear them out, demoralize them before there's any kind of kinetic war. And the Chinese, it's been explained, see kinetic war as a, a last resort or a failure. And really the goal is to bring down your adversary in a bunch of different ways that don't have to do with a shooting war. Um, and, and that's called asymmetric warfare. And, and it, that's a very well-established um, approach that we're not used to in the West, right? We think of war, revolutionary war, people wearing blue, wearing red, you know, in columns, shooting at each other. That is not asymmetric warfare. Asymmetric warfare is, well, as Brian put it, you know, they want our land, they want our water, they want our, our energy resources. They don't want our population. On that cheery note, let's take a quick break and uh, we'll be right back. Not sure how to say I love you this Valentine's Day? Well, nothing says I love you more than a few minutes of relaxation and GenuCell skincare does just that. Gives you the luxury gift of feeling like you spent the entire day in the spa all while, in fact, in the comfort of your own home. Susan loves to feel pampered and special, especially on Valentine's Day. So why not relax with a detoxifying mask and feel amazing after only one use? I know I'm a snob about the products I use on my face. Everybody knows it. Every time I go to the dermatologist's office, they're just rows and rows of different creams. Retinols, vitamin C cream, under eye cream, night creams. Scrubs. And then when I get to the counter, they're overpriced. All kinds of products that you can all find at GenuCell.com. I've fallen in love with this product at a fraction of the price. I've been using GenuCell for six months now, and I'm very impressed. GenuCell's mask works wonders by pulling out all of your imperfections to make you feel refreshed and looking like you just stepped out of a facial appointment. Order the Dr. Drew package today and try this amazing mask for free. That's right. Every single Dr. Drew and Susan package includes a free mask to celebrate you and your loved one on this Valentine's Day. Go to GenuCell.com Drew and enter code Drew for an extra 10% off your entire purchase. Plus, all orders are upgraded to priority shipping for free. That's genucel.com slash Drew, G-E-N-U-C-E-L.com slash D-R-E-W. Despite the U.S. blowing through the $31.4 trillion debt ceiling this January, the White House and the government still refuses to reduce spending. When it comes to fiscal responsibility, you can't afford to bury your head in the sand. Now would be a great time to consider gold with Birch Gold. In times of high uncertainty and instability, gold is king. Birch Gold makes it easy to convert an IRA or 401k into an IRA in precious metals. Here's what you need to do. Visit birchgold.com slash Drew to claim your free information kit, the info kit on gold, and then talk to one of their precious metals specialists. Think about this. To dig our country out of this mountain of debt, every single taxpayer in the country would have to write a check for $247,000 and... Of course, they're not, so it's only getting worse. Protect yourself with gold today by visiting birchgold.com slash Drew. That is B-I-R-C-H gold.com slash Drew. With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, thousands of happy customers, and countless five-star reviews, you can trust Birch Gold to protect your future. Here's what I want you to do. Visit birchgold.com slash Drew today. The parallel economy has empowered us to care for our health, well-being, as well as longevity. Likewise, for us pet parents who now have a place to go when it comes to keeping the family dogs, cats, even horses 
in the best shape possible. As a dog dad, I'm thrilled to be working with Pet Club 24-7, a company founded by two guys who lost dogs to serious conditions, including cancer. Pet Club 24-7 has an incredible array of products, including a line of supplements for humans, such as the Inforce Plus Corollius Versicolor and Inforce Corollius Versicolor with Reishi. My friend and colleague, Christina Ferrari, a cancer survivor herself, swears by it. When I was diagnosed, the doctor in the emergency room told me, you have two years to live. Oh boy. Along with the stem cell, I took these. I have been in remission for eight years now. For dogs, mush puppy treats are a fan favorite. Rex, oh boy. <laughs> he came right. Oh, there he is. They are also made with the Coriolis Versicolor Mushroom, which supports their immune system, according to hundreds of clinical studies. Here's Kristen Ludlow, National Vice President. That strain does matter. We do have the most potent strain, and we also extract it in a proprietary way. And that's why we've been having such wonderful experiences with these products. Mush puppies are made here in the U.S. There are no fillers. It's non-addicting. Your dog can't accidentally overdose. Go to drdrew.com slash petclub247 for discount off the list price. That is drdrew.com. P-E-T-C-L-U-B-247, Pet Club 247. We are back with Naomi Wolf. Uh, the book is The Body of Others. The website is drdrnaomiwolf.com. And, of course, Twitter, Naomi R. Wolf. Uh, no E on Wolf. Uh, and so that's all very cheery, what we were just talking about. I hate that stuff, and, I, and I'm hoping it's not true, but... <laughs> but but let's let's uh, let's yep. look at some of the evidence on on the initial virus. So w- one of the things that has jumped out at me lately is that let's just for the sake of assumption say it was an accidental release uh, on Wuhan uh, out of the Wuhan lab. One of the so again I'm I'm looking for smoking gun evidence all over the place here with these various things I'm wondering about. And isn't it interesting how the Chinese government continued to allow trans plane flights from Wuhan to other Western countries, but would not allow any flights within China from Wuhan. So in other words, it looks as though they were intending to allow the virus to spread to their enemies, but they want to make sure they contain it within Wuhan. Is that is that a reasonable conclusion from that bit of evidence or was it just an unlucky um, uh, sort of, uh, you know, call? Look, you know, again, that that room full of dead bodies, right? You've got that piece of evidence. You've got the evidence that they didn't let anyone into the lab to take a look at it. When they finally let people in, it was the guy who, Peter Toshik, who engineered, you know, and funded whatever it was they did, the persecution of people for raising a lab leak theory, the, you know, initial floating of these nonsensical stories about, you know, wet markets and, and bat soup. Um, you know, all of all of it together. And also, let's remember, I mean, this is a really hard thing to, to really process, but we as human beings tend to think if something hasn't happened in our lifetime, it's inconceivable. But biological warfare yeah. of this kind has been done throughout history. I mean, you know, America put a smallpox in blankets and gave them to to uh, Native Americans, you know, people have been lobbying infected anim- dead animals like the Romans used to send them in, you know, over the ramparts when they wanted to infect a targeted city that they were besieging. Um, it, this is this is not a an unusual way to wage warfare in human history. It's sneaky. It's not considered honorable by post Enlightenment Western standards, but you know, this is a. I mean, it, it's really painful to have this conversation to wrap your 
mind around the prospect of our leadership being bought up by our existential adversaries and that, you know, there's a war being waged against us, but nothing else makes sense. And, and so you can fight more effectively if you do process that, but also look at who the Chinese are. You know, I don't mean Chinese people, of course, I mean the Chinese Communist Party. These are people who soldered their own people into their homes, you know, who harvest the organs of Uyghurs who who have vast concentration camps in which they hold people nominally with COVID. You know, this is a, a brutal, sadistic, totalitarian state that's subjugating a quarter of the people on planet Earth. So why would we, like for all these years, ever since the Clinton era, when, you know, all the elite of the West was like, let's, it's so cool that China is such a great globalist partner. You know, all I could think is, do you know, do what, why do you think you're going to exploit China and China isn't going to exploit you, right? It's kind of racist, you know, this assumption that, you know, the West is always going to, you know, win and they're just like going to make our trinkets. Um, No, these, these are, you know, sadistic, sophisticated, it's a sadistic, sophisticated leadership and they, they disappear people, they disappear artists, they threaten people's families if they're, if they're dissidents. Um, I mean, it's, it's. Why would why would they not um, want to weaken us? They've said they want to weaken us. They have a white paper saying that they expect to be the world's superpower by 2030 um, because most of the rest of the world will be debilitated or preoccupied with their health. And that's exactly what we've got in the United States now with this, with this mRNA rollout. I mean, I'm sure you're familiar with or have brought your audience Ed Dowd's work uh, or Igor Chudov's work. Igor Chudov is showing a dramatic drop in live births around the world, uh, 13 to 20% down, exactly nine months after the mRNA injection got rolled out. And um, Ed Dowd has also shown a dramatic escalation in disabilities, people leaving work from disability and, uh, and, and otherwise unexplained deaths. And, you know, if you want to be the world's economic superpower, why not? I mean, just think about the women, the working women of America. If you're really disabled half the month with this catastrophic bleeding, um, you know, you're going to take disability or you're going to take days off of work. You know, you're not, it's going to be a direct hit to the productivity of the American economy. Hmm. What about the notion, I think some people have suggested that we're uh, unfairly scapegoating China. How do do we defend against that um, accusation? what thoughtful person says that? I, I, I've seen, the, uh, just, just saw a book, in fact, come across my Twitter uh, feed. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know who this guy is, and you may know already. Uh, Huff, is that his name? Something like that? Let's see if I can Andrew find Huff? Andrew Huff? There are two Huffs. Yeah, yes. Yeah, Andrew Huff, I think it was. Is that somebody I should know? Uh, I mean, I, I get them mixed up, so I'm the wrong person to ask, but yeah. I know one of them. The, uh, allegedly or ostensibly a, a, a former um, pharma uh, employee who has come forward or a biotech. I don't have the details, but um, so we're unfairly scapegoating China. He's an, he, I think it's called the truth about Wuhan. Look, looks like, is he an EcoHealth Alliance guy? Is that what this is? Uh, that's it, former EcoHealth He was former. Yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. So, but, but I mean, it's interesting to me that I mean, he might have been, I, of course, he has territory to defend, but, you know, he, maybe he knows these people and he feels confident in them, but he may have been hoodwinked too, right? I mean, they certainly hoodwinked all the other scientists that came back with the lockdown information. I, I just keep going back to 
like whodunits. You know, this injection is is leading young adults to drop dead or have myocarditis. A piece of evidence I didn't mention was that in 2021 in Hong Kong, which of course is overseen by the Chinese Communist Party, um, there was an experiment to inject Wistar Han rats. And with the mRNA vaccine, the first injection led to some damage and the second injection led to catastrophic damage, including enlarged hearts and white patches on the heart, which we're seeing now um, with young adults with myocarditis. And to me, like, to me, that experiment, again, it's interesting to have someone with a political background look at science, because to me, that experiment clearly under the aegis of the Chinese Communist Party was showing leadership how you kill people with no fingerprints, because it it showed that, that the subject will get worse and worse and worse, culminating in multi-organ system failure um, with each injection. And that's that's what we're seeing. You know, we're seeing healthy young adults drop dead. I mean, I, I have a loved one who's a college student and, uh, you know, someone on his campus died, you know, healthy 20-something. And I looked up online, college student dies suddenly. And there were literally... S- you know, like three different three different campuses in the, in the week um, prior in which students had dropped dead. We remember the world before 2020. Young adults didn't drop dead. Athletes didn't drop dead on the soccer field. Musicians and, and performers didn't drop dead. Um, all, and, and again, if you've seen the Pfizer documents, there's such thousands of strokes, thousands of thrombocytopenia events, thousands of neurological events, Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, dementia. Um, You know, a huge number one uh, side effect, interestingly, is joint pain. Number two is myalgia, muscle pain, which people really don't know. And so I know young adults who've had like knee surgery, shoulder surgery, people in their 20s, you know, their their limbs, their joints are, you know, going out and and again, the lipid nanoparticles, I'm always intrigued by this because it, it, you know, it's cartilage, right? It goes through, now it's going through cartilage. What does that do to cartilage? We don't know. Um, but but young people are, are are being absolutely disabled. So the the injection comes from China and young people are being disabled. I, you know, you'd have to be an idiot or not have any sense of uh, self-preservation not to ask questions. And something else that's coming from China is the the uh, PCR tests, which um, I got very sick after taking a PCR test, like really, like I was poisoned. I was so ill. And uh, some of the PCR tests have had to be recalled. And others have been linked to the collection of DNA. And China is also interested in, you know, being the world's hegemon on collecting the world's DNA for for, for its own purposes in terms of, um, you know, control of, of data data. Uh, and, and thus control of the rest of the world, and um, and and also the masks, the 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 needles, like all of it is made in China, and um, there have been uh, impurities or problems with with masks. Little kids inhaling graphene or graphene. I'm not sure if it's graphene or graphene oxide. And the needles had to be recalled by the FDA because they were like jamming in 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 people's shoulders. So. You know, how much evidence do people need? And what you should do there is is like start to do a proper investigation. If there's no problem with China, then, um, you know, let us into the Wuhan lab. If there's no problem with China, then 
well, are we comfortable with our, our adversary, you know, manufacturing something that's going into all of our bloodstreams? Like, when did that become a thing? Um, you know, the FDA is supposed to be the watchdog for that. But I can tell you from having seen these tens of thousands of documents, each one of them was in the custody of the FDA. That The FDA looked the other way when the most appalling things were done to to Americans, um, you know, by this company. So how do we understand this? So, so what, all these documents, uh, were they presented to the FDA? Were they, were they hidden from the FDA? What they were hidden They're in the company of the FDA. They're given, all of them are given to the FDA as part of the FDA's decision-making process. They say at the bottom, okay. you know, confidential FDA. And so it, it was sort of like the VAERS data collected, right? Like just a lot of and anything adverse just gets reported in there, correct? No, no mechanism necessarily and no follow-up. Uh, no, it's much different, um, Dr. Drew. I, uh, I'm i sorry to contradict you so, so directly, Absolutely. but it's much Go different. Yeah, no, VAERS is, you know, just as you say, a database where it's like um, these fields that are all identical and what went wrong gets entered. Um, the, the Pfizer documents, and again, I really refer everyone to the War Room Daily Cloud Pfizer documents research analysis reports, the ebook on Kindle or on dailycloud.io. Um, it, it's a, a vast range of experiments on human beings, as well as a flood of reports of adverse events. Um, but uh, a lot of, I mean, the experiments, you know, the trials as well, and post-marketing. Yeah, I'm, I'm just trying to understand what, why the F, what the FDA did with this data. They, if they had it, what if you were to ask an FDA, one of the review board members, what 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 did you think about that? What were you what were you looking at there? What, what do you think they would tell me? Well, they're supposed to make sure that this injection is safe and effective, right? It was it was issued not through right. the normal processes, but through, bypassing the normal processes through an emergency use authorization. So the FDA knew, for instance, that one month after the rollout, this is a shocker that um, the vaccines don't work to stop COVID. Uh, Pfizer's right. own internal documents show that the third most common side effect by November of 2020 is COVID, right? And, and Pfizer calls the, the injections um, ineffective and waning in efficacy and vaccine failure is the other term they use. So the FDA would have this. And if the FDA was functioning correctly, they would stop everything they'd call a press conference and they would say this, um, we're having vaccine efficacy, it doesn't work. We have to pull it. We have to keep trying, you know, right. go back to the drawing board. Or, you know, the minute they get, I mean, the reports are so shocking. The minute they they get the report that shows 61 people sustained strokes uh, within a week after being injected and half of the stroke events were within 48 hours, they would stop everything and pull it off the market the way they did with the swine flu vaccine with fewer deaths. Or when they saw that, um, this is the most shocking of all, uh, over 60 children were injected. Again, the records of, of 28 of them were lost, so we don't know if they survived, but 34 of them um, suffered adverse events, including a seven-year-old girl had a stroke and a two-month-old baby mm. sustained liver damage. So at that point, the FDA, if it's doing its job, would stop everything and say, you know, it's too dangerous, we're pulling it off the market. And this, this is what the FDA's only job is, but they didn't. They waved, They saw all these documents. They saw all the damage, all the harm, all the you know reproductive harm, the menstrual harm, the harm. So to what? What? Baby. I'm trying to understand what what 
what was going on, what happened. Now, we do know a couple of the FDA directors resigned in response to the speed with which the vaccine was rolled out. But but what what would they say their defense? What what did they do with the data? This uh, somehow analyzed all of it and f- was able to f- put it all into a sort of spurious basket. They didn't feel it was direct directly causational linkage. Or what would they say? What were they thinking? Are there are there minutes or anything that we can look at that help us understand what they were doing? That's a great question, Dr. Drew. In order to get those documents, you'd have to have a congressional investigation. Um, or a FOIA, which would be difficult, um, but a congressional. We have an Don't we really? Ha- we we have a congressional investigation underway right now, right? I saw uh, Ron Paul today uh, really taking things on kind of aggressively, um, particularly as it pertains to the the lab leak issues and, and the fact that we're oh. funding all this stuff and wanting to understand what the State Department is, is doing and why they've not provided the documents to answer the questions that. Our government is asking. It's almost like our government is running amok away from the elected officials. It's very strange. It's so strange. Um, I was actually, I spent all afternoon with the hearings related to the Twitter files because of my own. Mm -hmm. been beaten up by those people. Um, So Mm -hmm. I'll have to catch up with that. But to my knowledge, uh, the head of the FDA has not been asked to answer these questions. Um, but for sure, I can tell you that the committee that the FDA and the CDC convened to approve um, the vaccines for, you know, under 60, to approve the vaccines for under 12, to approve the vaccines for under five, uh, those members of the committee, and you're right, two of them did resign, um, were not shown this material. Uh, and, and I've seen the presentation that they mm. were shown. It was like a nonsensical slideshow that doesn't include any of this. So it's mm. very possible that the FDA just kept this material from, you know, any any public facing deciders. But the, the FDA, hundreds of people in the FDA have all of this material. It's in their custody. Mm. It's for them. It was the FDA, remember, that asked the judge not to release this material. It wasn't. Yes. Oh, yes. Available. Yes. So, so yeah. now to answer your question, what could possibly be motivating them? I mean, I'd love to hear them under oath, but speaking again as a former political consultant, the only way you get Americans dying and a federal agency uh, not stopping everything is if the White House wants you to keep going. And, and, and mm-hmm. I think we've seen, you know, Hunter Biden's laptop is very germane here. I think we've seen that China you know, had given millions to the Biden family and I voted for them. I'm not happy to point this out, but um, I think that we have a hostage administration. And that is one reason that, look, Dr. Drew, a balloon just went, I mean, you should talk to people in the military about this from the intelligence community. We let the United States of America let a balloon, a surveillance balloon go all the way across our continental United States right over our military facilities, our nuclear facilities, our populations, you know, and waited until it was done with its mission before shooting it down. You know, we are the, we are the laughing stock of the world, right? You don't, a, a normal American president with a normal relationship to the American people is not going to do that. Ugh. Yeah. Mike dropped. Yeah. yeah. Oh, <laughs> sorry. Sorry. Well, listen. Um, uh, yeah, Susan. Any questions? My biggest is- concern is our is our children's future, and yeah. 
the fact that they're going to try to get the vaccine incorporated into the children's, you know, mandated vaccines in California, it just makes me insane. And the fact, you know, we, I, it scares me for our future. I, I want my kids to reproduce. I want, or have the ability if they decide to, um, the, it's just, it's amazing to me that we're all just caught up in this and we just keep getting vaccinated <laughs> or having our kids get vaccinated well, um, I, what's or more astonishing pregnant is mothers getting vaccinated or that we can't take a good look at all this and decide, you know, give people the risk reward analysis, uh, have an informed consent around whether they would do or don't want to get it. It's up to the patient or the doctor, but we can't even ask the questions. I, I still want to I mean, to I'm glad we're not getting censored right now because every time we've had Naomi on in the past, we've had our YouTube channel taken down yeah. and put back up again. It's true. It's an improvement. <laughs> but an at improvement. least now we're able to talk about it openly. I, I want to know what happened to Damar Hamlin. Just tell me that. And if it's, right. if it's something that tilt towards some suggestible things i want that explained that's all very simple not not nothing intrusive just what was that what happened to him what do we think that was and do we think anybody else is going to have any problems like that that's all why, why can't we ask that question it's the most bizarre thing on earth i'm and i'm completely prepared to say it's all covid or covid plus vaccine or vaccine alone i i don't know because we're not even allowed to ask the question and that that that's the part to me that is. I'm also going to say that same thing kind of happened to uh, Bob Saget because, you know, he works in television. He was father America's dad, and he worked for big companies. and And I always wondered why we didn't get the whole story behind his death. Well, I mean, we saw what so, happened to Heather McDonald, and yeah. I it just it blows me away how we sweep this under. Public figures are public figures. Like if it happened to Drew, you'd know everything. You know, we're, that's why when you become an athlete or a public figure, you know, you kind of have to open up your world. It's just the way it is. Well, and look, people go, well, he wouldn't want his, ins his insurance. He doesn't want his insurance to know. His insurance knows he dropped dead on the field. Promise. I promise. And they will demand an explanation for that. So trust me, the insurance company will know what happened to him. But it will be a confidential exchange with the insurance company. And he's under no obligation to share this with us. I understand that. But you would think he'd want to share it at least with the NFL so they could reduce the risk of other players. I think they know. I think they just don't make it public because they don't want to ruin maybe. football. And maybe. And if you see if you see suddenly all the players going in for a cardiac MRI, well, then we know it was myocarditis. If you don't see that, well, maybe it was a pulmonary embolus. I, you know, I don't know what this was, but uh, something needs to be explained. Um, hey, uh, well, listen, Naomi. Something? Yeah. Go ahead, almost as, as almost like as a review. Hi, this is a uh, Caleb Nation, the yeah. producer over on the side screen. I I was just listening to all of this, and it's so amazing to hear from Naomi after a year, and to just realize, oh my God, she was right a year ago, and she's been saying this the whole time. <laughs> right. So I'm, it's just right. it's unfathomable to me that it would be so large, and now, especially after doing this year of shows, now I, my eyes I feel like have been opened to everything, and now I, I just see it everywhere. And so I'm putting these pieces together in my head and maybe trying to review this for the people that are watching. When I looked it up earlier, Pfizer's revenue was $51 billion in 2019, $100 billion by 2021. So my thought has always been that if their motivation is money, then it doesn't make sense for them to purposefully release something that's a harmful product that could end up ruining their reputation and tanking their big cash cow. But now we obviously know that they're saying one thing publicly, this safe and effective line. But then behind the scenes, what we saw in the, you know, the Pfizer videos, they're saying they're concerned. They don't know what's going on. So to, 
to me, when I put these together, it seems like there's only three more options that make sense, which is one, Big Pharma rushed this vaccine out. They made a, a big mistake in the fog of war, and but they'll never, ever admit it because it'll bankrupt them. Two, it's what you've been saying is like this entire fiasco has been the Chinese communist world takeover plan from the start. And all of it from the, <laughs> the leak to the vaccine to the mask to everything is all connected in a, an enormous takeover plan. Or three, and this is the one that I, like, I don't even want to I don't want to say it because it's making all of my my conspiracy theorist relatives. It's making me need to go apologize to all of them. It's this idea that there is a cult of elites that are convinced that the only way forward for humanity in the long run for us to thrive is to depopulation and slowing down reproduction. So which of those three makes the most sense to you, Naomi, or are they all combined in some way? All the well, money. Yeah. So, so two and three can go together, right? right. Um, I, mean, I don't see pharma, and I say this in my book, The Bodies of Others, I don't think pharma is the main driver. I think pharma is just the, the kind of murder weapon or right. the disability weapon. Um, and sure, they're making a gazillion dollars. But, you know, again, thinking with my political hat, what you see all the way up the chain of activity is impunity. Nobody's scared. They're finally getting a little scared. But right. Dr. Fauci wasn't scared. You know, a year and a half ago, I was on Tucker Carlson, and I had almost no evidence except the fact that Dr. Fauci was mocking the, you know, President Trump. Right. I guess it was more than a year and a half ago. And I said, Dr. Fauci doesn't work for us. And I know that because when you have a functioning White House in the United States of America, people don't go rogue visibly and kind of betray the president of the United States. You know, even if they hate the president of the United States, you right. don't keep your job, right? What we were saying earlier in a, in a, a normal uh, time, you know, the FDA federal agency doesn't let Americans get murdered because the White House would ha have you know, would have, would, would leak against them, hang them out right. to dry, you know, ruin them, ruin their reputations, take legal action against them. So none of this is normal politically, right. like none of it is normal. So now going back to what's really going on ha, behind Pfizer is China and Bill Gates and the world economic forum. And, you know, all these bad actors that I identify in the bodies of others really working in alignment in lockstep, but I didn't want to reach this conclusion, but I've seen clips and, you know, Ralph Barrick's lab assistant went on to write a, a novel, which has really affected me in which he kind of fictionalizes this mad scientist who loves animals and knows that the planet is going to die unless people are killed off or drastic, the population is drastically reduced. And right. there are clips from 30 years ago of, you know, elites being interviewed, saying things like, well, of course we you know, once we hit 8 billion, it's unsustainable. We'll have to reduce the population. And the right. reason I, I'm i so haunted by this one clip, and I have to find out more about it, but it was a credible clip. It was a real person is he was saying something like, well, no one wants to go around lining people up against a wall and shooting them. So, you know, a, a way to like render people infertile is far preferable. And I know elites. I, I, I was part of the global elite until two years ago. I know how they think. And they totally, totally, totally could see themselves going, oh no, you know, the planet will not sustain, you know, more than 8 billion people. We have to save it. We have to solve everything. We're the good people. Right. It's much merciful to do it this way. Um, so let's save everybody by, you know, ruin 
painlessly ruining people's fertility um, and it, killing off some older people in the process. Is it possible that it could be both where it's something where it's, it's the, the lab leak happened. They're like, well, this is our chance. Like we're going to jump on it in the same way where I feel like a lot of people jumped on the, you know, like universal basic income and all a lot of other political things during the pandemic and said, oh, we need to get all these things installed for this reason and use the pandemic as a vehicle to push things through that didn't really have much to do with the pandemic in the first place. Like, could this have been, oh, there's this, this pandemic that's happening now. Let's also get this done at the same time while everyone's distracted by this. Let's put something in this, in, in, either if it's the vaccine or if it's some sort of modified version of the virus and sneak it right. through. It, it does who does it seem like is at the top here? Is it seem like it's a group of global elites that that believe that we need to depopulate the earth if we're going to survive in the long term, and they think it may be their duty for that falsely, but they think it's their job, or is it specifically China? Like China is like we want to be we want to reduce everyone else's population other wow. than ours. Well, in this is a great conversation. <laughs> I mean, it's always a great conversation for all of you, but I just met you. So this is, um, these are great questions. In, like in, in politics at that level, there's alliances of, of people who may not like each other at all, but they'll have a shared goal, even temporarily. Right. Um, so absolutely, you know, the WHO is enmeshed with China and with Bill Gates. China uses Bill Gates to buy up farmland in the United States, for instance. Bill Gates is very much a cat's paw for China. Um, you know, Bloomberg, you know, invests in China and and is aligned with China economically. Um, Bloomberg rolled out the uh, maps that everyone used to declare that there was a pandemic, right? And I have a mm -hmm. chapter in my book pointing out that those maps are totally unverifiable. No one's allowed to see the underlying data sets. So we literally don't know how severe the pandemic really you know, was. Right. Um, right. So there are these like um, entanglements of, of alliances, right? And, and I've kind of sketched out the, the key ones, but definitely we all know the World Economic Forum is kind of coordinating a lot of this at a high level. That said, I don't like, I don't have any evidence that it wasn't an accident for the virus to escape, but I have evidence What makes me think that it was intentional is a couple of things. Event 201, which was held in uh, 2019, mm -hmm. um, before any of this was, before any lab leak. Uh, and also the fact that uh, Klaus Schwab's book uh, was published in June of 2020, meaning he was writing it in 2019, because it takes at least six months to right. publish a book. So. There was, and, and the last thing I would say, and this is definitely via my husband, the Intel guy, but think back to 2019, 2018 to 2019, they're all over the West. And I think the Me Too movement was part of this. I think it was, um, you know, like many movements, a real thing, but also exploited and orchestrated, right? And I say this as a survivor of, you know, sexual abuse. I'm not diminishing what happened to any of those women at all by saying this. But one thing that happened in 2019 is that, and, and you know, me, to me too, like I was attacked reputationally that year, but think about all the, all the people who could have been thought leaders were, were attacked in 2018 to 2019 or, you know, infiltrated or degraded in some way, you know, reputationally or had um, audits or, you know, there was like a clearing of the chessboard, um, right. you know, right. in advance of 2020, leaving, leaving us really without, you know, leaders. And there was this intense, and BLM is part of this. And again, I say this as a passionate anti-racist, right? 
BLM has direct ties to the Chinese Communist Party and it gets funded by them. And, right. you know, we right. were locked in, locked in, locked in. Oh, you're allowed to go outside to protest for BLM, right? But the reason I, I mention this is that just prior and in the middle of a time when American patriotism or American love of country could unite us to kind of fight back, there was this aggressive and, you know, critical race theory too. Again, I'm a total anti-racist, but aggressive, like changing of the terms of discussion about America so that we're not supposed to even like America or like each other, you know, right. across racial lines. And so to me, all of that suggests that, um, you know, is more, more aligned with uh, not a, not a lab leak. But also the last thing is, you know, do we even know that it was in one moment? Because there was COVID-19 being covered at the end of 2019 in Chinese medical journals and in mm -hmm. nature. And, and this, this kind of got memory hold, you know, right. but it could be that right. there was this, there was this, you know, virulent infection around and, and maybe nine tenths of what we've been told about it is messaging. Maybe a no, test run. They wanted to see how, how quickly it would spread, and then spread you guys. Further. I I do have to wrap. I have to wrap up right now. My I've got to go ahead. I have Caleb. one last question. Just because you're such an expert on the way that the Chinese Communist Party thinks, I could do a whole show just me asking you questions. I'm. I, it's amazing. But one piece of this that has has always confused me that I I'm I just I just can't quite grasp the reasoning behind it is I understand that in in China. Two two big things stand out to me is one is that they've they've tried to limit the amount of children over the years and for decades they tried to limit they believe it was a two child rule and then during the pandemic they yeah. supposedly released that to allow them to have people to have more children also mm -hmm. the tracking of people's faces for their social credit system it didn't make sense to me if this is all a plan from the Chinese Communist Party to then impose something that requires masking on people's faces that could hinder mm -hmm. their social credit system that was pretty big in the news right before and in the beginning of the pandemic. Where do those things fit in? Why would they push something that would require masking that would interfere with that plan? And why would they also push something that would kind of almost force them to release this decade, I guess it was decades long restriction on how many children people could have? So I don't know about the release of the restriction on children. I just want to remind people that China was forcing abortions and forcing a one-child policy, you know, alone in the world. Like, you know, it, and and so that's yet another kind of smoking gun that this right. thing that intervenes so intimately in reproduction, you know, is aligned with the way they manage populations. Um, it's a very un-Western right. thing. Right. Right. It affects um, the old people the most. And so it, it's almost like, well, a, you got to, and they, they would put the young girls, the, the female babies into orphanages, they right. you know, abandon this kind of thing. And uh, you got to remember the, the one thing I keep saying is those things that we look at as unconscionable and, and I've used a word, uh, what'd you call it? Sadistic. They see it as glorious, heroic, right. and patriotic. You've got to understand yeah. this is, the glory of the the wonder of China that they lock down, that they you know do all these horrific things to their population. The population will cooperate because it is a patriotic duty to do so. But listen, you guys, I I've got to. Terrifying. We'll bring her back. We'll bring her back for the Caleb and Naomi for the, for the Caleb uh, the Caleb Chinese Communist Party yeah. show. Um, mm -hmm. But I'm I am hoping that at least 
some, if not most, of what you're thinking is wrong. I'm hoping, but I know now not to uh, be dismissive and to sit by and see what the evidence shows. And um, my last question to you is, all that data that's up from Pfizer, are people, are the press getting it? Are they reading it? Are they just ignoring it? What, what are they doing? Why isn't it sort of more oh. in the news? Huh. Well, thank you for asking. It's been in the top 10 Kindle eBooks for, you know, from the minute it was yeah. published. And, uh, and I think it's in the top 30 now, and that's literally word of mouth because of course, um, not only have we had no legacy media coverage, but um, the New York Times created a new rule that you can't be in the bestseller list as a Kindle ebook if you're uh, produced by a single vendor, which is what we are. Um, and they produced that rule just in time. It would have been the week that we would have appeared on the bestseller list in the New York Times. So um, it's it's being, I mean, look, it's, a re it's not just a record of the greatest crime against humanity. It's a massive map to prosecution. So the people who are guilty, which is kind of everyone in the establishment, are going to ignore it. But I ask your uh, viewers to read it and gift it. You can gift it on Kindle. Um, and I just want to leave everyone too with a note of hope because I know that was a really heavy conversation. You know, America is the greatest country on earth. It's the best idea humanity has ever had. And, um, you know, we, we, we won two world wars and I, I thoroughly believe that if we really understand what's going on, it's a new kind of war. But if we reclaim our community and our, you know, our constitution um, and our, our sense of, mission as a nation i'm sure we can um overcome this giant evil we will leave it at that naomi it'll bring you back soon uh thank you so much for sharing this with us dr naomi wolf.com and uh we'll see you soon thank you so much thank Rest, you both uh, so you bet naomi, thank you great to see you um susan i have to wrap this up right here any last comments from you Nope, I just wanted to end it with a few dog barks and we're let's ready put, to go. Let's put tomorrow's guest up. We have someone who's been very against, uh, in the UK, the vaccination of children. She's had some success there in the government. Kingsley, Molly Kingsley, I think it's her name. Yeah, Molly Kingsley and Dave Rubin on Monday. Duncan Trussell on Thanksgiving Day. Thanksgiving. I beg your pardon, on Valentine's <laughs> Day. It's when, I thank, it's when I give thanks for the, what, I've, what I've got in my life. Uh, I'll be giving Susan. thanks too. Yeah. Uh, and Jessica Rose uh, coming in the 15th with Dr. Kelly coming back. Uh, that should be very interesting. And then Brooke Jackson, the whistleblower on the 22nd. Uh, again, tomorrow is 11 a.m. Pacific time. We're at a completely different time. Make sure I got that on my schedule. Yeah, 11 a.m. tomorrow. We'll see you then. Ask Dr. Drew is produced by Caleb Nation and Susan Pinsky. As a reminder, the discussions here are not a substitute for medical care, diagnosis, or treatment. This show is intended for educational and informational purposes only. I am a licensed physician, but I am not a replacement for your personal doctor and I am not practicing medicine here. Always remember that our understanding of medicine and science is constantly evolving. Though my opinion is based on the information that is available to me today, some of the contents of this show could be outdated in the future. Be sure to check with trusted resources in case any of the information has been updated since this was published. If you or someone you know is in immediate danger, don't call me, call 911. If you're feeling hopeless or suicidal, call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255. You can find more of my recommended organizations and helpful resources at drdrew.com help. Yeah.